So it seems like we have a few new faces amongst us tonight. <laughs> In case you haven't realized, it's Halloween. <laughs> and this is what America does. <laughs> so tonight's talk is on the three personality types. Which kind of mask do you wear? <laughs> Throughout the course of our life, we find that we have habituated tendencies that we fall into over and over again. And as we sit on the cushion, we become very well acquainted with these well-worn grooves in the mind. When we look closely at these tendencies, we will often see that they are related to greed, hatred, or delusion. And that as we over and over again act out these tendencies, it starts to take shape or flavor our personality. So tonight, I would like to speak about... um, what in Buddhist teachings is called the three personality types, which comes from the Vasudhimagga, or the path of purification by Buddha Gosa. And these personality types that are spoken of are not going back to the actual teachings of the Buddha. He didn't speak about them specifically. But what we find is that teachers over many years have recognized that there are these habituated patterns. And there, in the Vasudhimagga, it actually speaks about them in quite a complex way, but for simplicity's sake, I'm going to speak about the three basic ones, because I think that we'll also, we'll all have some kind of relationship with all of these. So it could have been that as you walked into the hall tonight, that in seeing a pumpkin, noticing how beautiful it was, that your eyes quickly scanned the whole hall to see which was the best pumpkin. And then you went and stood near it and really just wanted to drink it in. (coughs) Or it may have been that you walked into the hall tonight, you saw all the pumpkins, and you thought, This is a meditation center. What's this doing here? This is distracting. We should get rid of these. How could they let this happen here? Or it could have been that you walked into the hall. You were just walking in, looking down, didn't notice anything unusual. until you almost ran into somebody who was standing, gazing longingly at a pumpkin. And then you looked up, you saw the pumpkin, and you thought, hmm, that's an odd place for a pumpkin. (laughs) (laughs) And then slowly you went, oh, yeah, people had on funny clothes today, didn't they? And then finally you went, oh, Halloween. (laughs) So... These are (laughs) a brief description of these tendencies, the first being that of the greed type, a person whom 
continually finds herself pulled towards pleasant experience, the aversive type, one who is continually um, striking out, trying to separate from experience, and the deluded type, one who can be somewhat bewildered, confused, or perplexed as they move through life. These tendencies, in speaking about them tonight, I, my hope, I have a real hope that um, it is not going to help you further solidify sense of self, but will actually help you to have a wise relationship to these tendencies. And I note the first time I heard a talk on the three personality types, it was almost a life-changing experience. It was a talk given by Sharon Salzberg, and uh, she's a deluded type, of which you will hear how I am also a deluded type. But in hearing her speak about it, I could recognize some of the patterns, and it was a way of seeing it less personally, so that I could see, oh yeah, there is these habits, and they're just habits that come from the deluded mind, that it doesn't mean that I'm a terrible, stupid, dull person, but (laughs) because I know her and she's highly intelligent, (laughs) Um, but it just helped me to recognize these tendencies in myself, to be more at ease with these tendencies in their arising, and to know that I needed only to become mindful. It also has helped me in dealing with other people. Sometimes people we're close to, we will be able to recognize their tendencies. And you know, someone that I'm close to, quite close to in my life, is a strong, aversive type. For many years, I struggled with, you know, every time you ask them a question, the the first response is like, no. And then (laughs) you get the sense there's no flexibility. But once I learned about the, the aversive type, I realized that if you could remain spacious, give them space, that many times... They would have very strong wisdom. They just, it was like, I don't know if it's a way they give space to themselves to be able to be with what you've just said. And then out of that, you know, something quite different can come. So it helped me to be more patient as I recognized these tendencies in other people. So it really is offered on the basis to help us desolidify not to fall into habits of you know, putting people in little pigeonholes of what they are. Because we can cause harm that way. And you know, I've experienced it in myself, uh, for myself, when sometimes um, somebody's going to make a decision, it affects me, and then they'll just in a very dismissive way so, say, oh, well, you're a deluded type, you don't really care anyways. And, you know, <laughs> it doesn't feel very good. <laughs> or I've used it in ways that have been harmful to myself by, you know, saying, you know, when I do something that's kind of um, one wishes one hadn't done, you know, it can come in with, oh, you're deluded, you're so stupid. You know, that's not helpful either. So really, it is just to help us depersonalize what can often be deeply ingrained habits. 
in speaking about the three types, you know, we will all see that we have all of them. You know, that it can just be that there's one that's more prevalent, one that happens when we're in a situation where there might be insecurity, we fall into that tendency. So, you know, it could be that one is quite strong. We might have another one that, you know, is pretty, pretty there too. And I like to call that the rising sign. So, <laughs> they're all based in delusion. You know, they're all based from our not being able to see clearly. And, you know, they all come about because we want to find happiness. We want to find refuge. But we keep doing that in misguided ways. You know, the, the greed type keeps looking for that sense of safety, happiness, through the fleeting experiences of life, through finding happiness through sense pleasure. The aversive type keeps trying to uh, distance from that which seems uncontrollable so one can feel in control, or you know, to trying to get rid of that which seems unsatisfactory. And the deluded type just doesn't quite know what's going to make them happy. No, so they're, they're just habits because we don't see clearly. But because they're habits, because they're conditioned responses, they can be deconditioned. This is when we bring mindfulness to them. I think it's also worthy of noting that we can also have um, a prominence of non-greed, non-aversion, and non-delusion. So it's really just paying attention to what we turn our minds towards. If we are unmindful, we will continue to perpetuate the greed, aversion, and delusion If we become mindful, we see what's skillful, we can cultivate non-greed, non-aversion, and non-delusion. So, the first being the greed type. So, this type will often, you know, really pay attention to what is pleasing, what is pleasant, and will often gloss over that which is unpleasant. Many times there can be a sense of trying to revel in the pleasant experience. Although I'm a deluded type, I had uh, an experience of this trying to revel in something just the other night. I, in my life, really enjoy the moment of getting into bed. You know, there's been many times when I simply look at my bed and a smile appears on my face. <laughs> I've been married for just about 20 years, and I think for almost every day that I've spent with my husband, when I get into bed, a big sigh comes out. So it happens that in the fall, when we turn the clocks back an hour, 
this is a real moment for me. (laughs) This year, without giving any thought to it, early in the evening, I turned my watch back so that I could be reminded over and over again that there would be one hour more sleep. (laughs) When I told it to my friends, they pointed out that this was a tendency of creed. (laughs) Where, you know, it's just like, so that every moment before bed I could have that memory. Oh, yes. Even though I'm often disappointed on that night because I don't actually sleep an extra hour. (laughs) But nevertheless, that's the tendency that we can experience with greed, where we just want to make the most of these pleasant moments. And in that way, we give our hearts away to these objects of greed. It's a way of, you know, where we put our sense of refuge on that experience. And... You know, that becomes tiring if we're a greed type. Because well, what will often happen is we don't pay attention to that. And so it's having to go after pleasant experience over and over and over again. And it's wearing. And, you know, it's never going to lead to great happiness. This person glosses over the difficulties in life, you know, looking for an easier way, a better way. And often the basis of that can be what will give the most pleasant result. We often find that someone with this as a strong habituated pattern is someone who views life or views life through the lens of the glass is always half full. You know, so they can be quite optimistic because they aren't really plunging into that which is difficult. In the Path of Purification, the Visuddhimagga, it says that one of a greedy temperament experiences a lot of deceit, fraud, pride, greatness of wishes, evilness of wishes, discontent, foppery, and... (laughs) and personal vanity. So the aversive type. So this is where we have strong tendencies not to like our experience. We think our happiness relies on getting rid of many people, many things, many experiences in our life. And as a result, having a sense of holding ourselves separate. There's a lot of energy of pulling away from experience. This can play out in two quite different personality ways. You know, one will be a person who will lash out a lot with their aversion, will have a strong tendency to want to try and take control of things in life. And the other can be the other side of aversion, which is that of fear, shrinking back, would probably be a much quieter person, but becomes quite frozen in reaction, responsiveness to life, 
They're both forms of the aversive type. So the person who's the outward striker might be quite vocal in speaking about things where the fear type might be quite quiet, withdrawn. It's said that the aversive type experiences a lot of states of anger, enmity, disparaging, domineering, envy, and avarice. And then the deluded type. This person experiences a lot of confusion, bewilderment, dullness, never seems to quite know what's going on, doesn't feel confident in trying to clarify what's happening. Sometimes they can appear quite equanimous. Now, I think um, deluded types often look like they're just kind of bumbling through life and may appear to be quite at ease, but it's an ease that comes through disconnection rather than connection. All three types are based in delusion, but in the case of the deluded type, there isn't so much pull towards experience or pulling away from experience, and so the Abhidhamma calls it sheer delusion. I like to think of it as purity of delusion. (laughs) (laughs) The Vasudhi Maga also goes on to talk about how we can know a person's temperament through looking to their postures, actions, how they eat, and what mind states are prominent. So, I have adapted what the Vasudhi Maga points to into the situation of a yogi arriving at the retreat center here. So it will vary a little from what the Abhidhamma says. So, on arriving at the meditation center, one of a greedy temperament has already called the center to request the room that they perceive as the most favorably placed, as Ais is quietest, has the best light and the best proximity. On arrival at the center, they go straight to the meditation hall to put their cushion down in the most favorable spot. This is soon followed up by registering as quick as possible to get the yogi job of their choice. On arrival in their room, they immediately move the furniture to have the most aesthetically pleasing sense. Noticing um, the room across the hall has a better chair, they quickly swap. (laughs) The aversive type on arriving at the meditation center looks at the new flooring in the front foyer and finds fault with it. As they proceed to the registration desk, they notice that this room is still its same ugly self with paint chipping and drab flooring. (laughs) As they register, they are assigned a yogi job, and then they are very forthright in why they can't do it. (laughs) On arriving in their room, they immediately notice the distant sound of a flushing toilet (laughs) and return to the office to see if a room change is possible. The deluded type arrives at the meditation center and promptly parks in the staff parking, (laughs) not noticing the sign for retreat parking. 
As they venture into the building, they have a slight smile on their face, but the look in their eyes is is that of one who is lost. They are easy to please with their yogi job and are likely to end up with a yogi job that is not suitable because of their physical limitations, but it seemed like it just didn't matter. It takes them time to find their room as they study the map that makes no sense at all. (laughs) Finally, someone notices their confusion and takes them to their room. I have to say, this came from personal experience. When they discover they have a roommate, they are ready to let the other one have their choice. Unless, of course, it's another deluded type, and then they may spend hours trying to decide who should get what. In dressing for meditation, the three temperaments are also distinguishable. The greedy type arrives in the hall with the latest stretch fabrics that always leave one looking elegant. They're color-coordinated, and their socks are no exception. They have the latest in slip-on shoes and a jacket for every occasion. They leave their shoes in the cloakroom in the same spot every day, and it's the spot that allows them quick entry and exit. The aversive type arrives in the hall with an outfit that never calls attention or provokes judgment from another, other than it might be slightly tight, or evidence of a shirt or blouse that has hurriedly been tucked in. They kick off their shoes in the coat room, pushing other shoes to the side, irritated that they should be there. The deluded type arrives in the hall with unmatching sweatsuit, hair all awry. Their clothes are layered in a way that makes them look like a patchwork quilt. In leaving the hall, they hover in the coat room, looking for where they may have placed their shoes. (laughs) In walking meditation, the greed type appears to glide across the room, each step carefully placed. The aversive type hastily plows their toes into the ground with each step, as the sounds of their steps boom across the walking room. The deluded type almost trips with each step (laughs) and looks unsure as to where to place their next step. In lining up in the dining hall, the greed type just happens to be at the front of the queue day after day. They stand with a poised ease. The aversive type is right behind them and drumming their fingers and restlessly shifting from foot to foot. The deluded type follows along behind, watching what utensils others are taking so they'll know what to do. In the yogi job of wiping tables, the greed type carefully wipes the tables with strokes that are long and smooth, creating a beautiful, even pattern of wetness. (laughs) The aversive type clutches the sponge as they hurriedly wipe across the table with an audible huff. People automatically move out of their way. The deluded type sees one dirty spot and then another, 
and therefore wipes in an erratic manner, leaving <laughs> pools of water behind. Okay, and this is really my own edition. It didn't come from the Vasudhimaga. In seeing impermanence, the greed type sees it as just another opportunity. It might be just better than the last pleasant experience. The aversive type experiences fear and anxiety and wants to control it. And the deluded type knows something has happened, but they're not quite sure what. In discussing the types, the greed type thinks they have the most fun and at times can almost seem prideful of their type, have a tendency to glorify it, and at times will call it the sensual type. The aversive type thinks they have it the hardest and even may be the worst ones. And deep down inside, they somehow think they are to blame although their words often reflect that others are to blame. The deluded type is the person sitting here that doesn't really know which one they are (laughs) until someone points it out to them, (laughs) and then they remain for a long time unsure. So may you hold these all with lightness. But I'm sure we see ourselves in a lot of this, just our little habits, patterns that we have. Right now, I'd I'd like to speak a little bit more about the deluded type because I feel like my understanding is a little bit deeper here. And it's really good to hear this talk from the different types because it can be explored in greater depth. I know the first time I ever gave this talk, I felt like I was giving people an uh, experiential talk on delusion, that I felt like I was giving it from a very deluded state. And you know, how I've seen it manifest in, in talks is that often a deluded type will not give segues into different points that they're making. And so you really have to go into a place of trust and just jump from topic to topic with the, with the teacher as they move around. So delusion, in Pali, it's called moha. And it means, literally translated, means stupefied a sense of bewilderment. There's dullness, at times a helplessness or perplexity. So when delusion is strong, I mean, just looking at what we all know it in some respect, but that there is just this bewilderment that's there. Can there be a sense of being mystified, um, confused, not really in touch with what's happening. And so we find an inability to both be in touch with the suffering, which can make it seem easier, but we also find that we really can't open to the fullness of joy because there's this disconnection. It does have, at times, an appearance of equanimity, but it's really through the disconnection, the equanimity of not knowing, 
rather than the equanimity of connection. Sometimes the disconnection will manifest as one appearing very spaced out. Um, I had an example of this where one night I was watching television with my husband, and it was a news program on, and just listening, watching, and then suddenly I realized I'd missed a piece. And so I asked him you know, about what I'd just missed, and then he very quickly said, where did your mind go? Was it a thought? Were you thinking about something? And, you know, I knew in an instant my mind had just gone into space. You know, that it just disconnected, not focusing on anything. You know, and as a result of that, there can often be states of restlessness because we're not connecting with experience. There can also be a lot of worry, anxiety. It can be quite agitated at times because of this bewilderment. And this bewilderment has a real sense of uneasiness to it. When we start to notice it, when we start to really wake up to this habituated tendency, it will be painful. That we will, you know, at times just feel, you know, I've, I so many times have driven down roads, driven down them many times before, but because there's not been this clearly connecting with experience, I cannot know where I am. And, you know, I've driven down it so many times, I should really know, but I don't. And it gets frustrating. Uh, One time I was on Maui, and I was staying at a place that was about an hour from the beach. And I, I had just arrived there. I was there for a couple of days, and it was being organized for me. People were helping me to make it possible to go to the beach. And so... A great deal of effort was being made. I was lent a car, given a map, um, got into the car, was driving. You know, the map was making no sense at all. The car was um, not air-conditioned. It was a really hot day. It was very challenging. And then finally I arrived at the beach. And once I arrived at the beach, I went into the changing room. I put my hand in my bag, and I knew in an instant my bathing suit wasn't there. And just in that moment, the thought that came was, sometimes it's so hard to be me. (laughs) You know, to watch yourself do this over and over again. You know, one could really give up on oneself. (laughs) But as we pay attention, we start to feel the pain of that disconnection. And what can we do? We can move into connection. This is where our practice helps us, helps us to break these patterns. A friend of mine who's also a teacher and also a deluded type wanted to rename this the confused type because confusion is such a strong characteristic. And for a deluded type, going into a shopping center is excruciating. You know, there are so many different things one can buy. You want to buy soap. There are hundreds of kinds of soap. How do you make a decision? 
No, it the mind just goes this way. You can often see both sides of any situation. So it just is like, what do you base your decision on? And so many times a person of this temperament looks to what other people are doing. And I have actually done that in stores. You know, I can't make up my mind and then wait for somebody else to buy one and then go, okay, that might be okay. (laughs) Another tendency that the deluded type has is not to trust one's own perceptions. And this, again, can be really painful. You know, there's been, I've, this was the one that actually clued me into being a deluded type because I had seen it over and over again in my life where I could be really sure about something. Maybe I'd just been outside. It was a beautiful sunny day. I came inside sitting in a room that didn't have windows. Somebody else comes in, sits down, and I say, oh, what a gorgeous day. And they say, oh, no, it's actually raining out there. And I might think, oh, it must have been yesterday. You know, (laughs) a minute before I knew with certainty that it was a beautiful sunny day. But there is just that tendency to not trust one's own perceptions. And, you know, I've seen many times I would have done much better to trust my own perception than to listen to what somebody else is saying. But one just loses confidence, loses trust. One easily falls into doubt. As a result of this perplexity, bewilderment, confusion, um, it happens that when one of this temperament comes across something that appears to be of value, there is a tendency to want to cling to it. This can happen by way of hearing these teachings. And there is a sense of there being a lot of value to it. And so rather than really coming to find out for oneself, one might cling to an intellectual understanding one might even become quite fanatical around that, rigid around it, because one is clinging to a sense of safety, uh, something of, that seems of value when the mind is so prone to confusion. It's said that of one of deluded temperament that they experience states of stiffness, torpor, agitation, worry, uncertainty, and this tendency to hold on to things with a refusal to relinquish. Working with this um, as a deluded type, what becomes really important is to work with our moment-to-moment connection to experience. Because this is what will help us to see clearly. And in just the same way as when we worked with doubt arising as a hindrance, uh, when we come close to experience, there's no room for the doubt to arise. 
So, you know, that's why as a deluded type, I found it so helpful to use noting to help me clear, have a clear perception of whatever my experience is, even if it is confusion. It's like you don't have to wait for another moment to become undiluted. You know, you can use this confusion. And this is the same with all the types. When we have a wise relationship to these tendencies, we can become mindful of them and allow them to become our vehicle for liberation because we use the experience in this moment. Our practice is really to help us dispel this delusion in the mind, to wake up, to see clearly, to move out of ignorance. So each of these types have aspects that can... um, transform into wholesome qualities when we bring mindfulness to them. So with greed, with greed there's, you know, this willingness to open to life. You know, a greedy type is often a person who seems very alive in many ways, has that openness of heart. But what's happened is because of delusion, because of not seeing clearly, there is the placing the heart upon something that is not reliable, not trustworthy. So when greed starts to transform, become more wholesome, what can happen with that same movement of heart is that one finds what is trustworthy in life, what is reliable. And so one opens one heart to that which is wholesome, to then that it's said to be states of generosity, the desire to see noble ones, the desire to hear the Dhamma, um, that there can come a great honesty and trust in things that inspire trust. From that openness of heart, moving into faith. The Buddha also. Um, gave meditation practices to people related to the tendencies in their mind. And this is actually, I think, why this section was placed in the Vasudhimagga, was you know, that, that one could begin to see the, the tendencies in one's own mind, because then there were certain situations one could practice in, there um, certain types of practice that one can do that will help to work with that tendency. And so for a person who has strong habits of greed, it's very helpful to practice renunciation, that letting go, relinquishment. It's helpful to practice generosity, giving, He also said it was helpful to reflect on impermanence so that we can really come to know this changing nature of experience 
and not be blindly giving ourselves over to all of the objects of desire. He also said for one of um, a greedy temperament that it was helpful to do the reflection on the 32 parts of the body because there's this tendency to glorify, beautify experience. So really looking to ways that you can open up to the totality of life and not just that which is pleasant. So for one who experiences the tendency towards aversion, this can transform into wisdom. It will often happen in a moment of aversion that there can be something of the truth that is seen. But what often happens for the aversive type is that there is within that a reactivity. And so that reaction becomes what is heard. You know, many times if you um, are sitting in a meeting with a group of people and they're strong aversive types, they can be pointing out things that nobody else is willing to say, you know, no one else is clearly seen, because there can be a real penetrating quality to that aversive uh, tendency. But the unwholesomeness comes in with the reactivity. So, you know, it's that, that bolt from the mind that sees clearly in an instance. And when that reactivity isn't there, it moves into wisdom, into clear seeing. The aversive type is also someone who is not so willing to just stay on the superficial level. You know that you know it's the the deluded type being you know this happy-go-lucky. The uh, the greed type really going for the pleasant, but you know the aversive type wants to call it as it is, and you know there can be a great strength in that when it's not loaded, when it is just coming from that place of wisdom. If we're a strong, aversive type, uh, the practice of loving-kindness can be very, very helpful to really help us to soften, become more inclusive, have that friendly heart, uh, where to work, uh, help us work with that place where we're always trying to separate from experience and to help us to come close to experience. So delusion, which comes from um, not seeing clearly, and you know there can, as I said, be this sense of equanimity, where if one stays within that space and begins to connect, be present, it can move into equi- a real equanimity, the equanimity that is born of connection that equanimity that can have that spaciousness of mind that's not spaced out but is connected and can hold everything.
Hearing the different personality types is never flattering. No, I remember it being a little bit hard to say I was a deluded type because I tended to think of it as being stupid. Um, but there's, no, you know, they're just tendencies, just habituated patterns, and we work with them through bringing mindfulness to them, bringing these other practices where they're helpful. That not to be discouraged to see how deeply rooted these patterns can be. And not to confine yourself to being a certain type. That won't be helpful. But to hold it lightly, to hold it with humor, and to stay really diligent in working with these tendencies. I'd like to close with a night, tonight with a sutta that speaks of the diligent mindfulness as we work with these tendencies. And the title itself is one of the reasons why I wanted to share it. It's called, For One's Own Sake. For one's own sake, diligent mindfulness should be made the mind's guard. And for, for these four reasons... May my mind not harbor lust for anything inducing lust. For this reason, diligent mindfulness should be made the mind's guard for one's own sake. May my mind not harbor hatred towards anything inducing hatred. For this reason, diligent mindfulness should be made the mind's guard for one's own sake. May my mind not harbor delusion concerning anything inducing delusion. For this reason, diligent mindfulness should be made the mind's guard for one's own sake. May my mind not be infatuated by anything inducing infatuation. For this reason, should be made the mind's guard for one's own sake. For one's own sake, diligently guarding the mind with mindfulness so that we don't just habitually fall into these patterns. That we find a wise relationship to these patterns. That we begin to see that just an energetic formation arising out of different conditions. Because they've been conditioned, they can be deconditioned. As we bring mindfulness, we're not perpetuating these habits. we can move into or recognize the place from which we can, through the totality of our experience, realize the true nature within us.
So let's just sit for a moment. As we sit here, to really settle back into the silence. Today may have been one of the busiest days in many ways we've had in a while. Our energy may have been stirred up in some way. And this is just a part of our practice. It needs to be recognized relaxing back into just being. Relaxing into the stillness. the mind settling on connection with the experience in this moment. Taking our seat. Taking our seat, we're neither pushed nor pulled by experience.
awareness of just this moment. Finding the refuge of mindfulness. May all of the wholesome energy of our practice be dedicated to the welfare, happiness, and liberation of all beings everywhere. This talk was given by Maya Shin Kelly at Insight Meditation Society on October 31, 2005. It is an offering of the dark. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.